Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Will Byron Buxton stay healthy? Is Jake McCarthy for real? Does Cody Bellinger have anything left? Welcome in to Outfield Preview Part 2, and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we're going to get to everything beyond the top 20 outfielders, sleepers, breakouts, busts, prospects, all that fun. And we've got a lot of names to talk about, so no time to waste. Let's jump right in. We left off with Corbin Carroll and Brian Reynolds on yesterday's podcast. We have four names going from ADP 91 through 116. Chris... You're about to be up. Byron Buxton with an ADP of 91. Tyler O'Neill at 107. Christian Yelich at 112.3. And Stephen Kwan at 115.8. Chris, Byron Buxton, we know the deal. He cannot stay healthy. Over his last three full seasons, he has played just 49% of his available games. And now I have questions about what type of player is he at this point, Chris? Because he's still really fast. But he didn't run last year. He only had six deals in 92 games. He still hit 28 home runs. That's a lot of home runs in just 92 games. It's a 45 home run pace. But not only do I have the injury question marks, kind of don't know where the skill set is at at this point in his career. Uh, He's a really, really good player. And I'm confident that no matter what the shape of his production is, it's going to be very, very good when he's on the field. I, I don't think... At this point, Byron Buxton should be a particularly controversial player. I know he might be, but I think we all get the get the Byron Buxton thing at this point. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a an elite fantasy option. I don't know if that's going to be 30 homers and 20 steals. The 20 steals seem unlikely. The 30 homers might be too low of a projection for him. He might just be a a 40 homer guy and you know batting average might be a bit of an issue last season he had 224 expect a batting average 242 a little better than that strikes out a lot you know that's always going to be a part of his game i think the 30 percent last year probably a bit too high i think byron buxton's awesome and as long as he's on the field whether that's a week or a month or six months hopefully he's going to be awesome 
And I don't know, maybe he can't stay healthy. Maybe that's just, maybe it's just, he is forever fated to never play more than 120 games in a season. Even at this, even then, I think this price is a perfectly reasonable cost for Byron Buxton. Buxton has played more than 100 games just once in his career. That happened back in 2017. He's still extremely fast, 92nd percentile in sprint speed, but recurring hip and knee injuries. Uh, He played 35 games at DH last year, so they didn't even want him playing the field. It's probably not going to be for me. Scott, do you find yourself gravitating towards any of these other names here? Tyler O'Neill, Christian Yelich, or Steven Kwan? So this is after the fall, the fall that we talked about. No, not the fall. Sorry, let me rewind that. It's after a fall. This is after the second drop-off at the position. With the exception of Buxton, the players here are almost certainly not going to give you elite production. So there, there's, you know, the, the, the drop-offs re- I'm referring to, remember, there's the, the seven first-rounders plus Trout, then a drop-off to players who could very well perform like elites. And then this kind of begins the, the third tier in the outfield where these players probably aren't going to perform like elites. Again, with the exception of Buxton, who, of course, has a well-documented injury history. Now, I say that acknowledging that Tyler O'Neill was basically elite in 2021, and Christian Yelich, of course, has been elite in the past. I think, I think it's been long enough for Yelich now that maybe for the first time we should know not to draft him for MVP caliber production. Like There was always that possibility when you'd take him about in this same range the previous two years. Oh, what if Christian Yelich bounces back? I think we can pretty much rule that out at this point. Uh, and and Tyler O'Neill, you know that that 2021 season's looking like a pretty big outlier. The strikeout rate climbed again for him last year to a level that's probably untenable. The strikeout rate was actually things. the strikeout rate was actually better last year, Scott, compared to 2021. Okay. Well, the the exit velocity curiously went down that's for true. Tyler O'Neill, and and so the strikeout rate is too high if that's the kind of quality of contact he's going to make. So he's got some weird things going on that makes him hard to trust. Honestly, of this group, Stephen Kwan Boo. is looking the most attractive yes. to me. Boring. Yes. Oh, it's disgusting. Love it. Boring. You guys but wear like, your helmets to walk across the street. I I kind of feel like my third outfielder, I'm, I'm happy with him being boring because... I don't want to whiff in this range. Like the whole point of taking an outfielder here is it's before the big drop off, right? And so I want to make sure that outfield is going to be somebody I can depend on. Steven Kwan's not going to give you much power. He's going to be a plus in batting average. He's going to be a plus in speed, probably not like an elite base dealer, but definitely helpful in the category. And... If it's if it's a points league, I don't think anybody has any qualms about using him because he has one of the highest contact rates in baseball. So he's 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 not going to hurt you with strikeouts. Uh, that's going to help elevate his floor in that format to the point that you know you almost don't even care what kind of power he gives you. So I think Stephen Kwan, while it's not an exciting pick, it, it it's 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 somebody I see myself drafting more than probably the others here. 
I like Quan a lot as well, Scott. One of six players with more walks and strikeouts last season. Averaged three fantasy points per game. That was tied for 13th at the position. And I like the makeup of his season, right? He got up to this awesome start. Then he had a brutal May. He made adjustments. He bounced back from June 1st on. He hit 314 with a 380 OBP, five homers, 17 steals, a 793 OPS. Even in a Roto or Categories League, I find myself looking for batting average and speed at that point in the draft. And Quan kind of fits the bill on both of those. Four names bunched up here from picks 119 to 124 in ADP. Anthony Santander going at pick 119, finally managed to stay healthy, hit 33 home runs, 89 RBI, uh, over 152 games. Seiya Suzuki also at pick 119, an uneven rookie season, but did flash late in the year for the Chicago Cubs. Giancarlo Stanton with an ADP of 122 uh, over the past four years. Stanton has missed 47% of his available games, still hit 31 homers in 110 games. And then Jake McCarthy at pick 123.8. Last year's league winner, he was on the third most championship winning teams on CBS last season, uh, much because of what he did from July on. 302 batting average, five homers, 22 steals. A great end to the season for Jake McCarthy. Scott, what do you think about this group here? I mean, I think McCarthy is probably the most polarizing because we just don't know if it was a flash in the pan. Can he do this again? What do you think about him? Yeah, he feels like mostly a steel specialist. Uh, you don't question that his contributions in that category as much as you do anything else. And I don't know how valuable steel specialists are going to be in general this year with the way uh, the, the, the stolen base landscape, I expect it to change. So, you know, if I'm, if, if I really neglected steals up to this point, I'm okay taking McCarthy here, but it's, it's definitely a situational choice for me and not, you know, if I'm just looking to draft the best outfielder I can, it's probably not going to be him. Could it be Stanton? Maybe. Uh, the weird thing about him is he hit 166 over the final four months, which on the one hand, my gosh, that's awful. But on <laughs> the other hand, how could it possibly not get better? You know, like you can't get any worse than that. Of course, the BABIP was horrendous during that stretch. It, it seems kind of fluky especially given that Stan's quality of contact is, you know, remains as good as anybody's. Um, so that's the upside play here. The most likely pick for me is of, of these four is Santander for the same reasons that Stephen Kwan is the most likely pick for me from the last group. Santander hit 33 home runs last year. It was his first time staying healthy for a full season, showing what he could deliver over the full season. So, you know, there is some injury risk there for Santander. But the profile seems pretty well established at this point. Low batting average, but a lot of power. Kind of a Mike Moustakis profile. I prefer Hunter Renfro, who we haven't even gotten to yet, to Santander. So realistically, I'm probably passing up Santander as well, just to take Renfro instead. He seems like the safer and maybe even higher upside version of Santander. Slightly. But... uh but they're, they're pretty close. They're basically back-to-back in my rankings. Chris, I feel like we both said that we are in on Seiya Suzuki this year. I mentioned it, got off to a good start and really kind of scuffled in May and then mm-hmm. missed over a month with a sprained finger, but then returned in July and was really productive. Suzuki, uh, from July on, 271 batting average, 10 homers, 6 steals over his final 70 games. 
77th percentile barrel rate, 77th percentile sprint speed. I think there's like 20 to 25 homers and double digit steals here for Suzuki. Yeah, I could see a 25-15 outcome with without hurting you in batting average. And so, you know, I, I don't know if he's a, a superstar, but I think the the first season for him in the majors was a very promising one because one, it's just an incredibly difficult transition to make for a, a thousand different reasons coming from a foreign league, playing in the majors, holding your own the way he did with the strikeout rate was a little high, but the underlying plate discipline metrics were actually very good. Uh, didn't swing and miss very much. Didn't go out of the zone very much. Had good quality of contact metrics. He's a good athlete. Uh, I think Seiya Suzuki has a chance to be someone we're drafting as a top 15 outfielder uh, next season. If I'm drafting anyone from this group, I mean, McCarthy and Stanton are very team dependent. Uh, I think generally speaking, Seiya Suzuki is my favorite of this group. Santander, I just like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the things Scott said about Adolis Garcia yesterday are true of Santander, where like it wouldn't surprise me if his power slips a little bit and he's just not an everyday player, even if he stays healthy. He was a 2.1 wins of a replacement player last year in what might be the best year of his career. And like he's also a one dimensional power hitter who plays in the toughest park for right handed power in the majors. So I, I could see things going very poorly for him without that much upside. Santander. Yeah, I actually have Santander as a bust this year, even though I said he's the most likely I, I would draft from this group. I think, you know, the point is I'm not likely to draft any yeah. of these four. <laughs> Scott, do we have to go over the definition of bust again? <laughs> Between no, Santander I mean, Chris, and Michael Harris, I mean, you keep saying you might draft these guys, so I don't know. Yeah, I might. That, yes. Yes, that, that is true. You can't, like, I see Bust as somebody who has bottom-out potential, and I think Santander has bottom-out potential. I don't necessarily see them as players I won't draft. Yeah, like, they might, like if, they, if they don't Bust, they might be extremely useful. And I think the, the way Santander and Adolis Garcia are, are both very similar is, like, their teams are presumably trying now. Like, the Baltimore Orioles are at least in theory, going to represent a real baseball team. And they sort of did last season, but, you know, I think some of it was pretty fluky. But, like, with a full season of Adley Rutschman, you know, I, I think there's they're, they're much more serious about their chances of competing this year, and that makes the margin for error for a no-defense, one-dimensional slugger really, really thin. And, and at least Adolis Garcia plays defense. Um hey. And the Orioles have an outfield prospect in Colton Kowser who could be up relatively soon. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, y- you've got to be on alert uh, if you're Anthony Santander. Oh, they got a lot of prospects. Yeah. They have they have the most prospects of any team in my in my top 100. The Orioles still do even after graduating at Rushman last year. Yep, yep, lots of names coming for Baltimore. It's a really fun time to be an Orioles fan. Four names going from ADP 124 to 150. Nick Castellanos with an ADP of 124.3 took a huge step back in his first season in Philadelphia. The quality of contact was just flat out bad. 87.5 average EV, barrel rate down to 6.6%. Chris Bryant has an ADP of 129.5. He only played 42 games last year. When he played, he was still... Chris Bryan, he's still pretty damn good, uh, but he has missed 34% of his games since 2018. 
Taylor Ward, something we've talked about recently, tale of three seasons, awesome the first month and a half of the year. Then he uh, crashed into the wall. Feels like, you know, maybe had some lingering effects and probably some natural regression for the next couple months, but then finished really strong as well. And Scotty's boy, Hunter Renfro, just consistent. 26 or more home runs in five straight full seasons. So if you're looking for power at this point in the draft that doesn't kill your batting average, Hunter Renfro is probably the target for you. Scott, talk to me about Renfro. Yeah. He seems like, and I don't have I don't have um, every name in front of me, of course, but just from my own drafting experience, Hunter Renfro seems like the last high-probability 30-homer guy to be drafted. And that's a pretty big deal because... Power is harder to find these days, and I, it might become increasingly so. So I do like drafting Renfro. This is a really interesting group in general, though, because you know you have Castellanos, who was a stud in 2021, and there is nothing positive to take away from his 2022, though. He's probably like it's, it I is agree. not a, it like if you are so if what you happened? are optimistic about him, you there is nothing you can point to in the 2022 major league baseball season that will make you well, optimistic about Nick it, it's, it's track record. It's just, right, right, right. Me- no, that's he what was I mean. Messed up. He was messed up for some reason last year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he's going to be right this year. That's, he was, like, that's the, that's the case for Nick Castellanos. Even in the playoffs where he famously talked about the fact that he doesn't really try on defense in the regular season, but he tries in the postseason. Uh, even that, if you wanted to use that argument, he was miserable in the postseason as a hitter. He was really, really bad. It's I'm I'm not giving up on him, but man, 185 with no home runs in 17, 17 postseason games. Didn't have a single month with an OPS within 80 points of his 939 OPS from 2021. It's really you bad. Know, if, if we're just doing a strict rankings perspective, he's he's my lowest ranked of these four. But he is interesting, and yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if he bounced back, and he's still pretty young. He's in a great park. He's in a good lineup. It's possible. Like We're, we're at the point now, uh, or, or we're at least getting very close to the point where you're grasping at straws in the outfield, and if, if Nick Castellanos makes it beyond Chris Bryant, Taylor Ward, and Hunter Renfro, that's a straw I might be grasping. This I is, would rather have Chris Bryant for sure. I, w- I would too. Like yeah. I said, if those three are gone and Castellanos is still there, like that's that's why I don't know. I'm I'm trying to frame this of who am I most likely to draft from this group, who am I least likely to draft from this group. But the thing is, I'm most likely to draft whichever is left. So that's so it's like who lasts the longest. That's the one I'm most likely to draft. Um, and I guess it's Renfro, which is why I seem to be drafting him a lot. But yeah, I, I have warmed up to the idea of drafting Chris Bryant, particularly as like a third outfielder, mm-hmm. because for the 42 games he played last year, it basically went like we thought it would. His uh, him him signing with the Rockies and getting the Babbitt boost of Coors Field. He hit he hit 306. The power wasn't there early when power was lacking, especially lacking across the league. But, uh, you know, when he returned kind of mid-season, it showed up a little bit more. And uh, though he does have a bit of an injury history, it's not as, it's not as 
uh, as catastrophic as you might think it is. It's not like a Byron Buxton injury history. It's a couple years he missed a lot of time, but most years he gives you 145 games plus. So, uh, Brian, I'm, I'm pretty good with drafting him. And, and I like, I think I like Taylor Ward because the timing of the, the neck shoulder injury aligns perfectly with the cratering of his numbers. And, you know, if, if they just stayed cratered the rest of the season, okay. He probably just wasn't that good. But because they came surging back at the end of the year after what seemed like an appropriate time for him to get right again physically, like you could definitely, you, you could definitely connect the dots there. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just wishful thinking or if it's reality, but like you could, you could, you, you see the narrative pretty clearly for Taylor Ward is actually good. Here's why. And, uh, you know, the minor league track record, very strong, good plate discipline. So there's, like, at, the, at, at this range, at this position, I think there's more upside than downside to be found in, in Taylor Ward. So this is an interesting group. This is probably more interesting than the previous two clusters of four. Yeah, I, I agree, Scott. I do like Taylor Ward quite a bit myself. Wrote him up in Sleepers 1.0. I think he's just more undervalued based on what he could provide this season. Really strong final 31 games. He hit 345 with six homers and a 13.7% barrel rate. And he's going to bat somewhere in the top five. I don't know where yet, but that includes Otani, Trout, Rendon, Renfro. Well, Rendon for as many games as he plays. And obviously Taylor Ward. So counting stats could be very good for him in the top half of that lineup. Chris, I know you like Chris Bryant. Uh, does this worry you at all? His average exit velocity was 85 miles per hour, the same as Stephen Kwan you were making fun of earlier. No, because one, we know Chris Bryan hits the ball harder than Stephen Kwan. We don't like the fact that he didn't last season. I don't know. Maybe Chris Bryan just will never hit the ball hard again, but he's, his quality he, contact metrics in 2020 were not very good. And then he bounced back in 2021 and was really good. And his quality of contact metrics were better. But also, I think more importantly, Chris Bryant's quality of contact metrics have never been all that good, especially you know, very early on in his career, he was a standout in you know terms of expected WOBA and, and those metrics. Although he's never had a season with an ex average exit velocity over 90 miles an hour. He's been in the 89.7, 89.3 mile per hour range at most. He's never put up, you know, even massive ex mass max exit velos. He's never had really high hard hit rates. He's a, he's a guy that for whatever reason the StatCast metrics do not accurately account for how good of a hitter Chris Bryant has been in his career. He's outperformed his expected Wobo over the course of his career by about 20 points. Um, and so he is not one of those players that I worry too much about the quality of contact metrics with, especially at Coors Field. Like you expect hitters to outperform their quality of contact metrics at Coors Field. And I think you should expect Chris Bryant to outperform his quality of contact metrics in a neutral environment. Put those two things together, and I don't really see any reason to worry about Chris Bryant's quality of contact. Like, even his expected Woba last year with an 85 mile per hour average exit velocity was 344, well ahead of the major league average. He's just a better hitter than average exit velocity accounts for. 
All right, fair enough. Let's move on to the next group. That's from picks 152 to 178. Ian Happ hadn't has an ADP of 152.8, and you know, last year, it's pretty solid across the board. 271, 17 home runs, 72 runs, 72 RBI, 9 steals. Kind of reminds me of a really, really poor man's Kyle Tucker, just kind of like a B, B-minus kind of player everywhere. That is Ian Happ. Brandon Nimmo at pick 156, one of 10 players with 100 or more runs scored last season. And he's a legit good hitter. Career 827 OPS. He just doesn't have much pop or speed, so much better in a head-to-head points league. Uh, Mitch Haniger, tough injuries last year. A high ankle sprain forced him to miss three months. He had the, the core muscle surgery back in 2020. He missed an entire... I think year or year and a half. So it's been a rough go for Mitch Hanniger, but when he's healthy, I mean, one year removed from 39 homers, 100 RBI, 29th overall player in Roto in 2021. And then Cody Bellinger at pick 177.5, non-tendered by the Dodgers just three years after winning the National League MVP, signs a one-year deal with the Cubs, has not been the same since the start of 2020. His 150-game pace during this time is 20 homers, 11 steals, with a 203 batting average. Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, I think this is another pretty interesting group. Um, Ian Happ, what do you think about him? It's He contributes across the board, entering a contract year, turns 29 this year. What do you think about Ian Happ? Yeah, I, I still think it's possible that we haven't seen the best of Ian Happ. He's kind of had flashes of like, Good batting average last year, more power the year before. Maybe he puts it together and has a, you know, 270 average like last season and 25 homers like the year before. I think that's perfectly uh, possible. He's a solid all around player who could be, you know, a a very good roto option, not a star. Uh, Cody Bellinger, man, I just like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I know what to do about him. I don't draft him. <laughs> like I just, there has not been enough. Like even a one seventy seven point five ADP, I don't think is enough to account for just how bad he's been over the past couple of seasons. You know, whether it's the the shoulder injury, whether it's the swing changes, he's just been a disaster. Now, I guess the good news is like he's still going to hit for some power and he's still going to steal some bases. Yeah. And yeah, you know, but like you're going to get, you may get nothing else from him. You may not, but, and, and I don't know that I draft him at the ADP we have written here. I mean, the, the thing is the deeper you go into ADP, the deeper you go into this position, especially the less ADP matters, you know, because there's, it's going to be far more variable from draft to draft. And a lot of times I'm seeing Cody Bellinger last beyond pick 200. Sometimes even like in the 220 range, Cody Bellinger's still there. And at that point, I'm like, the guy had 19 home runs and 14 steals last year. He's obviously going to play a lot for the Cubs. It's you know, less of a concern about him losing time there than with the Dodgers. There is still that off chance. I mean, what I was saying about Christian Yelich earlier, I think also applies to Cody Bellinger. It's, we're probably to a point now where we shouldn't draft him with any realistic hopes of him bouncing back to MVP production. But there still is that very fringe chance, especially now that he's got his new set of eyes on him, new coaching staff he's working with. But um, at least Yelich, like, still has really good quality of contact metrics. Bellinger doesn't really yeah. do anything well at yeah, this point. I, I mean, he's going to have to be fixed. He's broken. He's going to yeah. have to be fixed. 
that's that's what it comes down to. But uh, I'm you know I, I'm talking yeah. if 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 Yelich goes to pick one fifteen and Bellinger's still there at two fifteen, I'd rather have Bellinger at two fifteen than Yelich at one fifteen. And so those are the scenarios where I sometimes draft Bell- Bellinger. This group Bellich. is kind of we're we're kind of after the fall here, which is why basically every player we talk about now, um, if if he's even halfway established, we're we're just going to be excuse making for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna be view we're gonna be looking at him through uh, rose tinted glasses, um, and uh, just trying to paint the most optimistic picture we can because that's all that's left to do in the outfield. I do have Mitch Haniger kind of in the same range as Nick Castellanos where I, I can see things going really right for him a little easier. And so they're kind of the fence straddlers for me in terms of are they before the fall in the outfield? Are they after the fall? I'm kind of undecided on both of them, Castellanos and, and Haniger. And I put uh, Brandon Nimmo in that same category as well because while he doesn't have a very high ceiling, he does have a very high floor. You mentioned he's a lot better in points leagues, Frank, and this was actually one of my the funniest discoveries I had when I was first putting together my rankings this offseason. Brandon Nimmo was the ninth best outfielder in points leagues last year, wow. which I think says more about how outfield was last year yeah. than how Nimmo is in points leagues. But still, it, it is a fact. He was the ninth best outfielder in points leagues this year, and while this ADP isn't for points leagues, of course, he's, you know, barely being drafted inside the top 40 outfielders. So it's just, it's funny. And if you want a low, if you want a high floor guy at this point, a guy who's going to bat lead off much of the time for a very good lineup. And Nimmo isn't a bad choice for what it's worth with Nimmo. He's the kind of player who would be a lot more interesting if he stole 12 bases. Yeah. And which maybe he will this he's fast. (laughs) Like he's a legitimate center fielder. And he was 84th percentile on sprint speed. He's never stolen more than nine bases in a season. And he hasn't done that since 2018. But like he has the capability to steal bases. It's just a question of whether he will. So, you know, that's I I would bet on some pretty significant regression in his 16 home runs from last year. But, you know, if he stole 12 bases, it would help make up for it. It's kind of like that. Brian Reynolds wishful thinking where Reynolds is also really fast. He just kind of wish he would be more aggressive yeah. running on the bases. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Nimmo could do that as well. Scott, I know you mentioned that uh, you look at Hunter Renfro as the last outfielder likely to hit 30 home runs. I kind of put Mitch Hanniger in that conversation. You know, if he plays 140 or 150 games, that's kind of a long yeah. shot. But if he does, I, I think he can get to 30 as well. I would say Hanniger, Santander, Renfro. Their best case scenario is basically the same player. Mm-hmm. Haniger was the one who spent much of last year hurt, so he didn't get to those numbers. And he spent much of the last few years hurt. So that's why I have him just a half step behind those other two. But, you know, that that's also why he's kind of in that fence straddling position with Castellanos and Nimmo for, for me. And I would say of those three names, Scott, Haniger. Uh, Renfro and Santander, he hits the ball the hardest. 91.9 average exit velocity, 11% barrel rate or better three seasons in a row. So, you know, Hanniger does hit the ball hard, if nothing else. Before we hit the break, make sure to follow us on TikTok. You can search for FBT pod or go to tiktok.com slash 
at FBT pod. We take some clips from the podcast here and we throw some highlights on it and it's all kind of fun stuff. So if you dabble in the TikTok, make sure to find us and follow us. We have a mailbag coming up later this week. So make sure to get those questions in email fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. That's the letter I or leave a five star rating on Apple podcasts and drop a question in the review. Let's take a break and we'll be back right after this. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let's get into sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And as promised from yesterday's podcast, we'll be giving you two of each of these. So, gents, let's kind of run through this. We have a lot more names to talk about. And, Chris, we'll start with you. Give me two sleepers you like in the outfield. Yeah, we've already talked about Chris Bryant and why we like him. I think the case is just he has to stay healthy. And if he does, I think he's probably going to be very, very good. So I'll go with a very, 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 very deep sleeper. And that's Josh Lowe. Remember him? Guy we all really, really liked this time a year ago, and especially about a month and a half after this time a year ago, once it became clear he was going to be on the opening day roster. And he was something that people thought could be a superstar for fantasy. And you know, there, there's been some developments since then that have certainly knocked my uh, expectations low. He struck out a lot in the majors. He struck out a lot in the minors last season. He had 181 strikeouts between 132 games between AAA and the majors. That's a lot more strikeouts than games played, which is not what you want. But this is still a guy who has hit 301 with a 934 OPS at the AAA level, 36 homers, 51 steals. Two caught stealings. How embarrassing must those two caught stealings have been for him in those 191 games at AAA? And I was reminded of Josh Lowe today because there was a story in the Tampa Bay Times about how the Tampa Bay Rays were their their big offseason goal was to get a left-handed hitter, and they did not do that, or at least not a good one. And Josh Lowe is going to have a chance to fill that job. He's going to have an opportunity to play in the outfield for the Tampa Bay Rays. And I still think there's a very solid, talented hitter. He's made some adjustments. He's worked uh, you know, on, on changing his batting stance to fix some of the flaws that he had last season. 
working with his brother, a guy named Nathaniel Lowe, who our guy Frank loves, who had a big breakout last season. Um, and I just think it's a very, very talented player who still has uh, the potential to contribute for fantasy, who is going like outside of the top 575 in ADP and NFC draft. So there's a deep sleeper for you, Josh Lowe. Remember the name. He, Big Spring could put him back on fantasy radars. You heard it here first. Yeah, I mean, we're talking super deep leagues. AL only, you could draft him very late there and, and just kind of see what happens in the spring, obviously. Hey, Tampa Bay, if you're looking for a left-handed bat, why don't we just give Jonathan Aranda some run and see what he could do? Because I'm kind of intrigued by him, and they just don't really seem to play him. So uh, Aranda and Josh Lowe, who knows? Maybe they get a shot this year. Scott, two sleepers in the outfield. Who you got? go with a couple deep picks as well though maybe not as deep as josh Lowe. deep like you know being draft drafted around the 300th player uh, one of them is oscar colas of the white Sox, who i suspect and he, he's certainly in the running for i, I suspect he's going to be the right fielder come opening day for them he got his first taste of Minor league action last year after a very long wait. He went from Cuba to Japan and then sat out 2020 and 2021 both, I believe, before signing with the White Sox and getting a chance to play in their system. Ended up hitting 314 with an 895 OPS between double and triple A and a little bit, I'm sorry, a little bit of high class A too. High class A, double A, triple A. Um, And that was after a slow start. He really turned it on midseason. The power tool is is the most impressive one, but considering that, I was impressive. I, I was I was encouraged by how good the hit tool looked, uh, and they don't really have an alternative in right field. Gavin Sheets, I guess, is the best they have, and they could go with him if they don't think Colas is ready. But I I think he'll prove ready, and in five outfielder leagues, he's always the guy I want to draft for that fifth outfielder spot. The other one is a player I just can't give up on, Alex Kirilov. Mm. What's dead may never die. Alex Kirilov, of course, he's been a sleeper of mine the past two years. It hasn't gone well, but it hasn't gone well because his wrist hasn't been right. It's been messed up, dating back to his time in the minors, really. And... um He'd have these spurts where it was feeling better, and his stat cast data during those spurts would just be off the charts in terms of exit velocity and everything. Uh, you'd have to really dig into the numbers to find out what exactly they are because the overall one, they're, the overall exit velocity readings are kind of, eh, whatever, middle of the road. But when his wrist was feeling right for those very short spans of time, he's been awesome. And... um you know, just to give you a reminder what his upside looks like. He got a stint with their AAA affiliate, the Twins AAA affiliate last year, uh, in between IL stints for this this wrist injury and hit 359 with 10 home runs and 1106 OPS in 35 games. Like clearly, clearly, clearly too good for that level, ready for the challenge of the major leagues. He just had to get that wrist right. And he took his biggest steps toward correcting the wrist Last August, having surgery to shave down the bone in the wrist, make it shorter, actually, to hopefully um, relieve the tension on it that he's been feeling for the past several years. 
And according to their president of baseball ops, um, Kirilov's wrist is in as good a spot as they've seen it coming into camp, which is kind of a variation of the best shape of his life, cliche. But nonetheless, talk is all we have right now. Let's see how Kirilov looks once the games start. And if he looks great, then I'm definitely going to be all in on him again. He's literally big boned. <laughs> more. That that is fair. Uh, yeah, Alex Kirilov is uh, is your version of of my Willie Calhoun, Scott. Just a player I will never give up on. I am rooting so hard better, right. for Willie Calhoun to win the Yankees left field job, and <laughs> I could die happy. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Anywho, the two sleepers for me from one Oscar C to Oscar G. I love Oscar Gonzalez this year. His ADP is one eighty three point five. Interesting rookie season. He hit 296 with 11 homers and a 789 OPS in 91 games. Interesting in that he has these collection of tools. He makes a lot of contact, sub 20% strikeout rate. He hits for batting average, 91st percentile XBA, 91st percentile max exit velocity, 88th percentile sprint speed. This is also someone who hit 31 home runs in the minors in 2021. He hit too many ground balls last year. But that wasn't really an issue in the minors. So I wonder if he raises the launch angle a little bit, Oscar Gonzalez, he pulls the ball a lot already, and he makes a lot of contact. It just seems like a recipe where if all this comes together, we have a really, really intriguing player for fantasy. So I like where Oscar Gonzalez goes in drafts. And another name is Jesse Winker, who goes super late. He has been left for dead. He's written off. The ADP is 286.8, and I get it. He was abysmal last year, no doubt. One year removed from batting 305 with a 949 OPS with the Cincinnati Reds, now goes from Seattle, 19th in home run park factors for lefties, to American Family Field in Milwaukee, which is fifth best. So it's a huge, huge positive park shift. Health has been an issue. I get that. You know, Maybe he only gives you 120, 130 games, whatever it might be. But in the games that he's healthy, in a contract year, I see some bounce back potential for Jesse Winker. So I do like that. You know, I, 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 I like Winker too. And I, I think... I think the health was a, a bigger explanation for his collapse last year than than even the, the the park shift. And as you pointed out, he's shifting back to a good park, which can only help. But his exit velocities were way down last year. Yeah. And we came to find out after the year, he's dealing with a bad knee that needed surgery. He had a bad neck late in the year that needed surgery. So I, I don't think I don't think he was ever right last year. And and that would explain a lot for Winker, and I agree. He's 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 a great choice at his price. All right, let's go back to Chris for two breakouts. Who do you have? Byron Buxton, just perpetually <laughs> going to be my breakout pick until he plays 130 games and proves everybody wrong, and I can do a slam dunk on all of the haters' heads. Uh, but also Riley Green, who this time a year ago was one of the prospects we were most excited about. Got a foot injury very late in spring training that derailed his season and came up to the majors and definitely had his struggles, but there were really good signs there. Um, quality of contact metrics. I mean, first off, he was a league average hitter. There's my cat food. Uh, <laughs> he was a league average hitter as a you know 21 year old in a very tough park coming off you know, missing the first month and a half of the season. So that's more impressive than you think already, but also the quality of contact metrics were 
for the most part above average. Strikeout rate was very bad, 28.7%. However, even the underlying content, the uh, plate discipline metrics there were better than that. His chase rate was 61st percentile. Whiff rate 43rd percentile. That's not great, but it's certainly not terrible. So I think there's room for the qual- for the strikeout rate to improve. And Comerica Park is going to be a more hitter-friendly park than it has been. I don't know if it's going to be much more hitter-friendly park, but it shouldn't be a disaster for right-handed hitters. Uh, power numbers the way it has been for much of the time there. I think they somehow had mislisted the dimensions in center field, and it was actually even deeper than we always thought it was, and that was the 420-foot listed depth to center field, which is the deepest in baseball. So way to go, Detroit Tigers. Riley Green, supremely talented player, showed some flashes as a rookie. I'm very bullish on his chances of breaking out this season, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I like it a lot for Riley Green. Post-hype sleeper, post-hype breakout, whatever you want to call him. I saw an article somewhere. They pointed out that Comerica Park is the venue that has the most barrels that do not go for home runs, like Mm -hmm. in the history of the StatCast era. So I don't know how much that's going to change, but this, again, it has to be... It has to help a little bit, at least. And it seems like center and right field, they're doing this exactly for Riley Green, so... Yeah, his his expected home runs in every other park last year much higher than at Comerica. Uh, so that's it. That's Riley Green. All right, Scotty, you got two breakouts here as well. Who do you have? Yeah, to save time, I'm just going to read you two stats from my 55 Amazing Stats article. Here's one of them. Brian De La Cruz, that's Marlins outfielder, who came back from the minors to hit 388 with six home runs last September, had a 287 XBA and 498x slug for the year, the whole year. Compare those to Rafael Devers' 282xBA and 497x slug. So Stackhouse favorite Brian, Brian De La Cruz even more than Rafael Devers last year. So that's that's one of them, Brian De La Cruz. Here is the other one. Okay, the complete list of batters in the top 15% for average exit velocity, max exit velocity barrel rate, and walk rate, top 15% in those four important categories. Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Schwarber, Giancarlo Stanton, and Lars Newtbar. Yeah! Lars Newtbar. So those are my two breakouts. Brian De La Cruz, Lars Newtbar. I'm trying to get, you know, I talked about how I wanted to get one before that last drop-off as my third outfielder, whether it's Hunter Renfro or Chris Bryan or whomever. Uh, I talked about Oscar Colos. That's who I'm aiming for with my fifth outfielder. I'm aiming for one of these two as my fourth outfielder in a five-outfielder league. It's going to be hard to get both, but either Brian De La Cruz or Lars Newtbar. Well, how about this, Scotty? I'm doing a, a slow NFBC draft right now. Just got Brian De La Cruz as my fifth outfielder. Nice. Let's do it. The only concern with Newtbar destroyed fastballs last year struggled a lot against everything else that's the only concern is whiff rate above 36 percent for both breaking and off-speed pitches it was 14 percent with fastballs so you know if there if there's one place he needs to improve it's it's that i i the contrarian in me wants to not be in on Newt Bar because everybody's so in on Newt Bar, <laughs> and they feel like a lot of it's like, look at this 
highlight from driveline baseball in January. But no, I, I agree. He's, he's yeah, probably, he's probably going to be I mean, awesome. He's got a lot of buzz, but yeah, he's not ADP is still not expensive. Yeah. Like it, it's not yeah. like it's driving up his cost. Yeah, it, it will. I think. And Scott referred to him as the Austrian hunk the other day on the players we love. So that's just a, he's. I don't even think he's Austrian, but I guess the name so, yeah. kind of just <laughs> sounds like Schwar- he's Austrian. Schwar- <laughs> so. I was thinking how Schwarzenegger's Austrian. Yeah, like yeah. I want to like like my my gut is like I want to treat him like like fantasy Twitter's fascination with Franchi Cordero, but that's not fair. Lars Newbar's probably actually good. Yeah, and in fact, he's the probably the furthest thing from Austrian you can imagine. He's playing for uh, Japan in the WBC, yep. which is awesome. They have actually a great team. It's going to be really fun to watch. Breakouts for me. Spoke about Eloy Jimenez yesterday. He was awesome again down the stretch last year. If he ever stays healthy for a full season, I think he's someone that could return top 25, top 20 overall value in fantasy this season. The other breakout I had was Oscar Colas, but you know Scott already broke him down, told you everything he liked. I agree with that. Newt Barr was in my breakouts 1.0, so I'm not going to rehash what, what these guys already said. The bust that I have for this year, uh, Chris, I think it's time to go feed the cats. You might want to take the headphones off and leave the room for a couple of minutes. While no, we'll I, just uh, fight. Okay, all right, fair enough. Just uh, fist fight in the streets Byron Buxton. City. Byron Buxton, the ADP is 91. I do agree if he ever stays healthy for 130 or 140, he's making me and like anyone else who wants to fade him look completely stupid. But the truth of, of the matter is... He hasn't been able to stay healthy and it's now recurring injuries. It's knee and it's hip and he's DHing and he's not playing the outfield and his skill set has kind of changed and he didn't run last year. So I, I just have all these kind of like what's going on question marks with Byron Buxton. And as a result, I will not be using a top 100 pick on him. Tyler O'Neill is the other one. Just kind of feels like we're chasing that career year. He's another one. He's dealt with a bunch of injuries. I think he's been on the, the IL nine times since the start of 2019 and I do think there's some underrated playing time risk here that people are not acknowledging, at least not based on the ADP, because if Jordan Walker breaks camp or if Lars Newbar actually breaks out the way we think we, uh, he can and they have all these other awesome players, if Tyler O'Neill struggles or gets hurt, he could just straight up lose his job. So I think that that is something you need to factor into his ADP as well. Uh, I will not be drafting either one of those gentlemen. Scott, we'll start with you this time uh, to bust at the position. So I talked about both of these guys and outfielders 1.0. So I'll keep or part one outfielder outfield preview part one. Um, so I'll keep it brief. Adolis Garcia story with him. Horrible plate discipline. Older than you think he is. Pretty narrow margin for error. I feel like. And then Starling Marte is the other. Uh, steals plummeted last year. Steals are the main thing that's made him. Um, a, a fantasy standout over his career. It's always been injury prone, not going to get any better now that he's in his mid thirties. And I think, I think last year was probably the beginning of the end for Starling Marte. Chris, bring us home with the busts. Who do you have? Yeah, we talked about Michael Harris yesterday and, and what scares us off of him. Just not sure he can sustain what he did last season. There are play discipline concerns. We all like him as a player. Just think the price is probably a little too high. I don't understand why Harrison Bader is being drafted where he is specifically, but also like in general, I just, I don't like, is it really just that he had five home runs in a playoff series with the Yankees or in two playoff series with the Yankees? Is that it? Like, 
I don't get the appeal of this guy. He's not a good hitter. He has a career 225 expected batting average. He stole three bases in 25 games last season, so I don't really care that he had 14 steals with the Cardinals. He stole three three bases in 25 games with the Yankees, so I don't really care that he had 14 steals in his games with the Cardinals. That doesn't really tell me much about what he's likely to do. And I just I don't think he's much of a power threat either. Like I think the best case scenario for Harrison Bader is probably like a 240 average, 12 home runs and 18 stolen bases. I just and that's like a best case. I don't really see like I think the floor is he's genuinely harmful to your fantasy team. I don't understand him having an ADP inside of the top 190. I wouldn't understand if he had an ADP inside of the top 250. Before we get back into ADP, Scott, let's just quickly run through prospects to know for this season. We spoke about Corbin Carroll on part one yesterday. His ADP is 81. Oscar Colas, you like him as the sleeper. I have him as a breakout. A few other names. Estieri Ruiz with the Oakland A's. He came over in the Sean Murphy trade in the offseason. Colton Kowser with the Orioles, a first-round pick in 2021. Sal Freelich with the Brewers, also a first-round pick in 2021. Joey Weimer with the Brewers. He has some power and speed. Does strike out quite a bit. Uh, Brennan Davis with the Cubs. There is some power with him, but dealing with this recurring back injury, it's pretty worrisome. And Alec Burleson, who is with the Cardinals as well. He's just, you know, one of five or six names that they need to find playing time for. And I don't know. The the cream will rise to the top, I suppose. So anyone you want to highlight here? Yeah, I want to. I, I, I really want to like Alec Burleson, but there's, there's already so much crowding in the Cardinals outfield. He reminds me of an early career Brian McCann, the way he looks, the way he stands at the plate, the way his swing looks, and, and the way his numbers looked in the minors last year, the high batting average with 20 home runs. That was early career McCann as an outfielder. But, you know, how's he going to find the playing time for the Car- Cardinals? I don't know. Uh, we've talked about Colos. He's the most exciting outfield prospect for this year. Second most exciting, or probably the one who should be targeted the second highest. Uh, well, it's going to be Estuary Ruiz. That's not who I was going for. Estuary Ruiz is going to be drafted the second highest of this group because he had 85 steals in the minors <laughs> last year. And if you pace it over 162 games, it was like 130, 130 steals pace for him, something close to that. And the, the hitting numbers were good too, but it it's it's a situation where basically all the scouting reports say he's not really that good of a hitter. The exit velocity readings for Estuary Ruiz is pretty awful. He's going to be in a bad lineup, a bad park. I don't think it's going to work out, but desperation for steals might drive a lot of people to draft him in deeper rotisserie leagues. The outfielder I was building up to talking about, who I think is my second favorite for this year after Colossus is Sal Freelick of the Brewers, who... Looks a lot like Stephen Kwan statistically. I could see him hitting for an even better average, stealing even more bases, though it's hard to predict that when Kwan is already a plus in both of those categories. Uh, Sal Freelich should have been starting for the Brewers in center field down the stretch last year. I don't know why he didn't get that chance, why Garrett Mitchell got the chance over him. Sal Freelich is better. Colton Kowser will be up at some point. We talked about him. He's He's got a lot of upside. Probably Joey Weimer will too, but he's going to go as far as his strikeout rate allows him to go. Certainly the the um, athletic skill, the, the the power speed combination is very exciting. 
I wonder if South Freelick has a big spring training. Do the Brewers just give them a shot on opening day because of the new compensation rules where they can earn a draft yeah. pick uh, with him being on their roster all year? So I don't yeah, think it's very likely. I don't think it's I, I impossible. Think yeah. I think we're going to be surprised by the number of rookies who get opening day jobs. You know, we, it was kind of telegraphed last September, the guys who got a, the number of high, high-end prospects who got a, a late-season look then without using up their rookie eligibility. But even some who didn't. Uh, conversely, I think we're going to see fewer impact mid-season call-ups than we're used to seeing. So if, if they don't win a job on opening day, that... Uh, that that might be concerning that we won't see them until September. Basically, MLB introduced new incentives that have now made for a different service time manipulation line than what was there before. Yep. We'll pick back up with ADP 183 through 197. Oscar Gonzalez, who I spoke about earlier, 183.5. Harrison Bader, who Chris does not like, 187 ADP. Alex Verdugo at 191 and Riley Green at 196.5. Chris, the only name here that we have not talked about yet is Alex Verdugo. He's hit 280 or better for four straight seasons. His isolated power has gone down in each of those four seasons. I think we kind of, it's so hard to say because he only turns 27 this year, but it just kind of feels like this is who Alex Verdugo is. Yeah, and who he is is a homeless man's Michael Brantley and like not the good Michael Brantley, the like late career guy who is a fine starting outfielder. And Alex Verdugo's probably a fine starting outfielder, but they're outside of batting average. There is nothing special about him. If I play in an AL only salary cap league, though, Verdugo is probably someone that I would target heavily just because playing time, you know, he's going to play and he's, he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to help you, but yeah, he just feels like the perfect player for that format. Sure. Uh, obviously he's going to be drafted pretty high in there, but um, you know, I'd probably kind of, you know, build my strategy around getting him if I could four names from pick 199 through 260. Lars Newpar at 198.8. Of course, everybody's favorite breakout hitter, except for Chris Andrew Benintendi at 243 Lane Thomas at 254.5 and Masataka Yoshida at 261.3 29 year old coming over from Japan signed a five year $90 million deal with the Red Sox. And Scott, last year he hit 336 with 21 homers in OPS over 1,000 in Japan, 82 walks of 42 strikeouts. Only Luis Arise had a better K rate in the MLB last season. Obviously, I don't think it's comparable in terms of the talent in Japan versus MLB, but just wanted to highlight that. We mentioned it before, Scott, the projections over on Fangraphs, they seem to like Yoshida. If nothing else, he should be a, a viable head-to-head points league player because of his plate discipline and likely leading off for the Red Sox. I imagine projecting a player like Masataka Yoshida is very difficult. Yeah. And so I wouldn't read too much into that. My understanding, just based on what I've read about his, him skills-wise and, and uh, comparables we've seen, other players coming over from that league, 21 home runs is, is not impressive. And it's I, I don't think it's a guarantee... Yoshida's even going to hit double-digit home runs. The, 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 the best thing he has going for him is that the Red Sox want him as their leadoff hitter. So that's a vote of confidence and, of course, puts him in a position to get a lot of at-bat score, a lot of runs. The on-base skills, I think, will be good. The batting average should be good, too. But he won't run at all, and the power will be below average to bad, I would guess. So I'm, I'm 
thinking something I, I think a pretty good scenario for Masataka Yoshida would be something in between Luis Arise and his teammate who we just talked about, um, Alex Verdugo. I was something thinking Brandon Nemo. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, that that might be the best case scenario for... for yeah, I mean, uh, the 16 homers is probably close to a best case, best case scenario, but like, you know, what Brandon Nemo... Well, he had never hit double digits with home runs before this year, so like... What Brandon Nemo's been for most of his career, I think. Chris, do you think there's any chance that Benintendi could get back to the player we saw in 2021 where he had 17 home runs and eight steals in 134 games? Now with the White Sox. I think like 17 homers and eight steals is, is a reasonable-ish expectation because he is going to be playing in a much better home park than where he was last season, certainly for most of the season. Um, he's not a very good hitter. The quality of contact metrics are pretty bad, but he, he makes a, a decent amount of contact. He should be a decent source of batting average. And, you know, I, I think 15 and five to 10 steals is probably an okay expectation. The, the white Sox, I, I don't remember what their ballpark is called, man. They change these ballparks so much. Uh, guaranteed, guaranteed rate field. That's right. They are. That one's so bad. It's stuck in my brain. <laughs> they are third in home run park factors for left-handed batters. So if nothing else, you're right, Chris, that should help Andrew Benintendi quite a bit. Uh, Lane Thomas, last one here. If nothing else, he's going to play. Playing time is safe. He's on the Nationals. They're a very bad team. He's projected to lead off as of now. I don't know if that will last, but uh, he's not really a good hitter, man. 17% infield fly ball rate for his career. Those are automatic outs. So he's someone I kind of got sucked into last year as a sleeper and uh, didn't really ultimately work out for him. I mean, if you're, if you're talking a deep rotisserie league where you have five outfield spots to fill, considering Lane Thomas's guaranteed playing time with an awful, awful Nationals team, I, I still think there's like 20 homer, 15 steal potential here. I mean, you look at him over, over the final four months after those cold months were behind him last year, and that's basically the pace he performed at. Uh, with like a 256 batting average. Exactly, a 256 batting average. So, deeply context, roto context. I, I still think I still think Lane Thomas is is somebody you could get sort of excited about. Yeah, I think a lot of what I said about Verdugo probably could say the same about Lane Thomas in NL only leagues. He's going to play a lot and you obviously want to value playing time in a league like that. So, uh, Lane Thomas, someone to uh, value in that format. Next up from picks 267 to 278, Michael Conforto uh, at an ADP of 267.3, signed a two-year deal with the Giants this offseason. Lourdes Gurriel at 269.8, he was traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Jock Peterson with an ADP of 276, and Ramon Laureano with an ADP of 277.8. This, this group seems out of place. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it should be a couple groups higher. It you does. Jock, Jock Peterson, who had 23 home runs with a 274 batting average last year, uh, sits a decent amount against lefties. But even in a 12-team five outfielder, like that, that deserves a starting spot. He was Jock good. Peterson. He was good last year, Scott. He hit the ball extremely hard, Jock Peterson. 98th percentile yeah. average EV and 95th percentile barrel rate. He was... He was really good. For no, I mean, he was the best he's ever been, so I don't know that you could just expect him to repeat that stat line, but he's if, if you're looking for power late, 
you know, Peterson seems like one of the more promising options, especially at this position. I know a lot of people are hopeful for a bounce back season from for Michael Conforto after he had to sit out last year with a shoulder injury. He was fading pretty hard before that shoulder injury, so I don't know that I'm especially optimistic about Conforto, but he's had some big seasons in the past. I kind of... The, the, for the same reason I like Jesse Winker, I, I, I kind of like Lourdes Gurriel. We came to find out after last season that he also was playing the whole year with an injury that he then had surgery for after the season. I think it was uh, it was his wrist, Lourdes Gurriel. So that might explain why he hit five home runs only after being a 20-homer guy previously. Still delivered a good batting average. Uh, yeah, deep sleeper. I, I'm I'm willing to call Lourdes Gurriel that. Yeah, the only problem, Scott, is it is a pretty negative park shift. Toronto is sixth in home run park factors for right-handers, and Arizona is 27th, so pretty far down the yeah. list there. Um, I, I I think that like if the wrist, if 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 that turns out to be the explanation, though, like it's it's even with that. Change in parks like Lourdes Gurriel is going to be somebody who's startable. I think even in three outfielder leagues. Chris, I think another argument for fading Harrison Bader is the fact that Ramon Laureano goes almost a hundred yes. picks later. And I think, exactly, I think they're pretty similar players. If you look at his, uh, I don't think they're similar. Laureano's just a much better player. I think. I think the batting average will probably be lower. He's hitting two twenty five since the start of twenty twenty, but uh, his career one hundred and fifty game pace. 20 homers, 17 steals. If I play in a five outfielder league, if I in a roto league, if I get him as my fourth or fifth, I kind of like it for power and speed. So, yeah, no, his 150 game pace last season was uh, 21 homers, 18 steals. I don't know if you said exactly those numbers just now. Um, I was I typing I, them in my calculator. I think I said it for his career, but you're right. It was actually just paced out from last year. So, and, um, you know, his home park is obviously a lot worse than Harrison Bader's, but I don't think, like, I think a 250 average is a pretty reasonable expectation. And last year he was out mostly because of the steroid suspension, right? It yep. wasn't uh, an injury. And, you know, it, it's tough because he was very bad last season, 663 OPS overall. And there's concerns about that he'll be traded eventually. We thought that might happen last year. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think if Her- if Ramon Laureano plays a, a full season, I think a, a 2020 outcome is is pretty reasonable. He actually did miss time last year. He went on the IL twice, once for a mm-hmm. strained left oblique, the other time for a strained right hamstring. So Yeah, I didn't think it was entirely because of the suspension, because I think the suspension was like the first 50 games or something, but yeah. Yep, that is Ramon Laureano. Gives you power and speed later on in the draft. From picks 280 to 290, the one thing I will say about outfield is if you wait this long, you could just kind of load up on a bunch of these names and hope that like one or two of them hits, right? Just load up your bench with a bunch of interesting outfielders and just kind of, you know, cross your fingers that, that a couple of them work out. From picks 280 to 290, Brandon Marsh, Jake Fraley, Charlie Blackman, Jesse Winker. Scott, we'll start there. Group of four. We already talked about Winker. Any interest in the other three? Marsh, Fraley, Blackman. I like Fraley a lot. Most drafts end before I have a chance to even think of him. But remember, we got kind of excited about him last spring game being traded from Seattle to, to Cincinnati uh, and uh, that, that park upgrade. 
uh, guy who walks a ton, is very fast. It, it seemed like maybe he could break through for the Reds. It didn't happen because he got off to a miserable start in April when everybody was struggling and then missed a big chunk of time with a knee injury. But after he returned in in July, late July, uh, Jake Fraley slashed 295, 377, 526. He homered 11 times in 53 games. And it looks like he's in line to play close to every day for the Reds this year. So I, I think in this range... He's well worth taking. I see Brian De La Cruz's average draft position is even lower than Fraley's. You know, that's not going to happen when I'm drafting. I'm going to take De La Cruz before we get to this range. But in this range, Fraley seems like a fine pick. Chris, three outfielders going just behind that group. Randall Grichuk, Brian De La Cruz, who Scott mentioned, and Austin Meadows. Grichuk feels like more of a floor play at this point in Colorado. He's fine. Austin Meadows, is there any bounce back potential here? I haven't seen much to be encouraged by with him, but obviously he's dealt with you know some pretty difficult injuries. Was it a ruptured Achilles for him uh, I think last was, season? It wasn't a ruptured Achilles, but I think he yeah. was dealing with soreness in both of his Achilles. Both Achilles, yeah. That's, that's a really tough injury, and you see it in the numbers. He just didn't do anything well. But like you don't have to go that far back for Austin Meadows to be a pretty good player. He hit 27 homers and drove in 100 runs in 2021, so... You know, I could I could see an outcome like that. And Grichik, like he was decent after the All Star break last year, two seventy two average, twenty five ish homer pace. It wouldn't shock me if he did that over a full season. And obviously, like he needs to be better than he was last season. But if he if his quality of contact and batted ball metrics just got back to where they were in 2020, 2021, I, I could still see him being worth starting like we thought he would be last season. So actually, I think all three of these guys are are somewhat interesting. Just also, for the listener's benefit, it sounds like Grichik won't be available for the start of the season because of a groin injury, though he's not expected to be out for long. Hey, Nolan Jones time? <laughs> they traded for him this offseason, so super deep sleeper out there in Colorado. Uh, Austin Meadows, I'm seeing he also went on the IL with Vertigo last year, so man, he was just... He had a lot going on, tough. and it is a contract year for Austin Meadows, so uh, hopefully he can stay on the field. ADP from 300 to 325, Austin Hayes, Marcelo Zuna, Andrew McCutcheon back with the Pirates. Love it. And Manuel Margot. Uh, Scott, Margot is someone who, in 15-team Roto Leagues, I've picked him up as like my fifth outfielder or utility bat, and I still think he can be maybe a you know 15-10 and 10 kind of guy, so... Um, I do like Margot yeah. in, in really deep leagues. Yeah, I, I think he's a more interesting version of Andrew Benintendi. Probably going to give you a pretty good batting average uh, with a, a not irrelevant number of counting stats, but pretty boring overall. I it's like it's not very likely. Scott, you're lagging a little but bit. But it's Marcelo Zuna. Let's see. How Just, you doing? Oh, okay. Are you back? I don't know. I, I think I I sound, he's sound back. Good. Yeah, there was just like Marcelo a, Zuna is the one I'm most likely. Not, not that I'm that likely to draft him, but we have seen him. Like he's been written off in the past as okay. He's not going to bounce back to high end production, and then he we've seen him bounce back to high end production. So he's just, he kind of has like a. A, a weird little slice effect uh, the way the back comes off his ball that that hinders his production 
Uh, but we've seen him overcome that before, and there's a chance if the Braves play him enough that he could again. It's a small percentage chance, but the upside is still pretty high for Ozuna, I'd say. Four more names going just after that group. Joey Gallo now with the Minnesota Twins, Trent Grisham, Jared Kelnick, and Garrett Mitchell. Chris, I mean, two really young I think still pretty interesting names here. Kelnick, it has not worked so far. I mean, we're talking the latest post-hype sleeper possible. Um, And Garrett Mitchell, a former first-round pick, you know, he's got power and speed. He just strikes out a ton. Any interest in in this group? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're throwing late-round darts, I'm pretty pessimistic about Jared Kelnick. There's just way too much swing and miss in his game. You know, like the in-contact zone, uh, in-zone contact rates are really, really poor for him. And they were in the in AAA as well. He just was able to hit the ball well enough to overcome it. And I just, major league pitchers are too good to get away with that stuff in the majors. It's a really, really big red flag. So I, I think it's very unlikely he figures it out, but I don't want to write him off entirely. I think there's a chance Joey Gallo still has a, a bounce back. You know, I I referenced the the idea of a dead cat bounce the other day. I think this would truly be a dead cat bounce. Um, but like Joey Gallo still hits the ball really hard. He's still capable of walloping it. Uh, it's just a question of like, can he be a 35th, 35% strikeout rate guy? Probably not. But if he can, he's going to be a useful player for fantasy. I know he's no Harrison Bader. He's no Andrew Benintendi, but I still think he could be a talented player. Maybe. You know, you take someone out of the, the boogie down Bronx, Chris, you never know what's going to happen. ADP th- uh, 325 to 350. Scott, I'm going to throw a bunch of names your way here. You let me know if anyone stands out. Oswaldo Cabrero with the Yankees, Chris Taylor, Jorge Soler, Jose Siri, Mike Yastrzemski, Alex Kirilov. Take him off the no, list. Kirloff does. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Brantley back with the Astros and Juan Yepes, part of that glut of Cardinals outfielders slash designated hitters. Yeah, it's hard to see Yepes, Yepes, Juan Yepes being the one who who uh, who breaks through of that group. Uh, there are some interesting names here. So Oswaldo Cabrera was playing regularly for the Yankees down the stretch and in 154 bats had six home runs and three steals was a power speed guy in the minors. And you just project those numbers out over a full season. You have, a, you have an awfully useful player though. He'll, it, it sounds like he'll have to fight for his at bats this year with Aaron Hicks. Jorge Soler still has monster power upside that we've seen. And you know, it's, it's sort of like Marcelo Zuna where, just when we think it's gone, it comes back, and and suddenly we all care about Jorge Soler and fantasy again. So, uh, you know, definitely keep the name his name in the back of your mind, even if, if even if you don't see fit to draft him at any point. Jose Siri has a power speed combination that's interesting. Strikeouts might keep him from making good on it, but might be the best athlete in baseball. Yeah, I mean that dude is outrageously athletic. He just, you know, that th- that might be the Franchi Cordero comp. Actually, I-, I saw he was crushing it in the Dominican Winter League as well. So, whatever that's worth. And Michael uh, Brantley, I think, for the stretches he's healthy, is still going to be a startable outfielder in points leagues because he makes contact at such a high rate. He's going to be in a very good Astros lineup again. Won't be healthy much, won't provide much power when he is, but he'll have stretches where he's useful, I would say. Mm, okay, I want to... 
I brought it up. Now I want to tell everyone the numbers. Jose Siri. Uh, 904 OPS yeah. in 21 games in the Dominican Winter League. He hit 315, two homers with nine steals. So yeah, he's got some power and speed. There's a chance. There's a chance. Anything later on, Chris? What do you think of these names? Nick Gordon. I know there's some interesting stat cast numbers with Nick Gordon. I just don't know if he's going to play enough. Will Myers now getting everyday at bats in Cincinnati. That's pretty fun. Jesus Sanchez. Wonder if Jesus Sanchez can earn some playing time with the Marlins. There's Max Kepler, Adam Duvall going to play center field for the Red Sox, Alec Thomas, and Mm -hmm. AJ Pollock. Kind of like Duvall, too. I think Duvall could be a completely empty 27 homers, but (laughs) this late, it it could be still useful. I think Will Myers could be this year's Brandon Drury. I know that's kind of the obvious comp, but I mean, it's not, we're not that far removed from Will Myers being a very good fantasy option. He may not be an everyday player. Uh, You know, he may not be able to hold up to an everyday role, but I think playing in Cincinnati is going to be very good for him. And, Look, I know Alec Thomas had his issues, but there were still some encouraging signs as a rookie. You know, the quality of contact metrics that, you know, especially early on were quite good. He's a very talented young player who put up good numbers in the minors. So not going to give up on him, although it's not clear at this point if he's going to have a even opening day job for the Diamondbacks, let alone an everyday job. Well, Chris, if you want Alec Thomas in the Scott White Dynasty League, I'm your guy. So make sure to to hit me up. did we talk about Jared Kelnick at all? I'm, I'm not sure if I was looking into other stats when you guys were talking about him. Yeah, I, I threw him. He was part of a list that I sent Chris's way, if you have anything you want to say on him. So, like, I understand why he's this low. He's hit 168 over his first two seasons, which basically amounts to a season worth of at-bats. 168 is awful. He's He can't seem to hit any sort of breaking ball. Every time he goes back to the minors, he, he continues to crush it. And he's still only 23. So, like, there is a chance he just gets better. It, it sounds like the the Mariners are going to hand him the left field job this spring and just see how it goes. I think at this price, you know, just, just from the perspective, just, just from, like, a what-if standpoint, it's not a bad idea to take a flyer on Jared Kelnick. I will say you cannot draft him as a starter. Like, even this late, if he's your fifth outfielder, like, because it's the kind of thing where if you give him three weeks – he could put you in a big batting average hole the way we, the way he's played so far Like to put some numbers on what Scott said, uh, 46% whiff rate against off speed pitches, 41% whiff rate against breaking pitches last season, a one, uh, a, a one thirty six X slug against breaking pitches last season in the majors. That is really, really, really bad. And if you don't know the backstory, the reason I'm bringing him up is he was like the top prospect in baseball, or at least one of two or three in the running a couple years ago, and has just totally fallen on his face, flat on his face in the majors in the way nobody still, anticipated. Still has some really good quality of contact metrics. I mean, I, I, I want to say he had the hardest hit home run by a left-handed hitter for most of last season. I don't know if he finished with the hardest hit home run, but he... When he gets into it, the the physical tools are impressive. You know, I thought that too, Chris. I was looking it up, but he was 40th. He ranked 40th in Max EV last season at 114. I believe that was a home run off Garrett Cole too. It was like right down the line. It was it was a line drive, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I guess a lot of people passed him. Probably off the fastball. Yeah, probably makes sense. Uh, All right. 
Outfield is done. It's in the books. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow with a mailbag. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.